Yeah, Carl, it's Bruce Hilliard with Better Each Day Podcast. Hey there, how are you? Good. Hey, I called a different number and uh, it said you were offline, so apparently... Oh, goodness. Um, huh. I don't know what number you would have called. <laughs> I don't know. Your picture comes up and you look really good in the picture, I must say. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, my God. Well, oh, that's so strange. Well, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I think uh, I think everything's a go though. I've got my little recorder thing going, so this is all recorded. I can edit anything out. So if okay, I, perfect. If I say something you don't like, just slap me and I'll erase it later on. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. Are you in Nashville? Well, I have a home in Nashville. I go back and forth. I'm, I'm primarily born and raised, live in Mobile, Alabama, um, but I have a home in Nashville too. So. I go back and forth about every 10 days or so to work on music. I'm envious. The dreamers in me. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Better Each Day podcast radio show with Bruce Hilliard. Today and every day, reaching out for innovative ideas in every way. Yeah. Today's show is brought to you by your future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. Ooh, make a better stay now, baby. Hello, hello. Welcome to a new year of recording artists' backstories and music, plus a few tales of my own. I'm Bruce Hilliard, and I thank you for being here. The opening minute was me inappropriately flirting with today's guest, Carla Williams, wanted to be a country music singer from the beginning. She put her dreams on hold to raise four kids and grow a successful business. In order to escape, minivan soccer mom Carla morphed into the late Karen Carpenter, and now she's back at it. And her forthcoming album is a tribute to Karen Carpenter, and it includes a who's who of the really good Nashville music scene. I said, oh, wow. I said, I'm envious. Oh, I know. Well, yeah, it's uh, living living on the Gulf Coast and then being able to go to, to Nashville. It's, it's a pretty, pretty sweet deal. No doubt about it. Well, you must be surrounded with really good musicians. I am. I am. I, uh, I tell you, I have been honored from day one uh, that I started this, this crazy uh, music world um, 15 years ago to be, honest to God, surrounded by the most unbelievable top-notch musicians, producers, composers, songwriters, you name it. It has just been um, such a surreal 15 years, honestly. I put on just the first cut of your uh, new record, and the guitar solo blew me away. I mean, you're great. I'm going to get to you. (laughs) (laughs) But who is this? It sounds like Steve Lucas there. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, case in point. Yes. So... Couldn't you get anybody good? I mean, I come tell on. you, you know, he was about all we could do. So we just had to settle Jeez. for what we got with him. But man, what a talent! Is he not? I mean, just unbelievable, unbelievable. Did you talent. watch? Did you watch him in the studio do that? You know stuff? What he is the only one out of this whole big album and all these guest artists that I have not had the chance to meet yet or got to witness that. Um, and because oh, everybody else, I know. Well, he was out in Hollywood. Um, or Beverly Hills. I can't remember which studio. I think they were at Sunset, maybe. Anyway, um, but it was at a time where, you know, COVID was pretty rampant still and or starting or something was going on and I just couldn't get out there in time. But yeah, he killed it, didn't he? He absolutely killed it. Traditionally does. Yes, he does. 
Okay, now to you. It's a Karen Carpenter album. What the heck? That's so cool. <laughs> it is. It is. It's um like it's just it's been the an honor, honestly. Um when I started this crazy industry, uh about 15 years ago, I um, recorded my first album, and it was really nothing more than a bucket list thing for me. I just wanted to record an album. Um, never in a million years did I ever think anything would come of it. Um, I had, you know, was raised uh, singing. I started singing at three years old. I went to college on vocal scholarship, all sang all through high school. And um, at 30 years old, crazy enough, here I am setting, setting, set, you know, my sails on a dream that um, normally 30-year-olds don't get the chance to do because uh, no one takes them serious in the industry at 30 years old. And um, so I did. But when I started recording my first album, my producer uh, back then, Steve Dorf, very legendary, he said, you know, he says, I've worked with Karen Carpenter before. Has anybody ever told you that you sound like her? you know, have those very similar low tones and vocally. And, and, and it kind of shocked me a little bit yeah. even uh, about, well, yeah, I'd, I'd listen to the Carpenters just because of my parents. Karen obviously was before my time, but um, um, I think she died when I was five or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it would have um, been something like that. But I remember, I remember growing up listening to her music. I remember, you know, Merry Christmas, Darling, always being my favorite Christmas song. Greeting cards have all been sent The Christmas rushes through But I still have one wish to make A special one for you Christmas, darling. We're apart. That's true. So it was, you know, it's always a part. It was, you know, something that I definitely knew, but I certainly didn't realize, honestly, what that that comment meant until about three years ago. And um, so you fast forward about three years ago, and I had taken a break in between that time after signing with a record label in Nashville, and. Um, took a break just to be mom and uh, just be with my kids all the time. At the time I had three, I now have four. Mm -hmm. um, so I um, <laughs> did all that and took a little bit of a break. We just kind of released singles here and there and decided to jump back into it full time. And um, well, I say full time. I have about 10 jobs. I feel like these days, you're but, a mom. That's uh, full time I'm right it, there. I make it as full and fun as I can. Yeah. Um, and then I was on a TV show in Nashville. We were performing one of my, or actually two of my singles that day on on television. And this uh, guy sitting behind me had no idea how legendary he was on the keyboard uh, playing for me on stage, uh, Michael O'Mardian. Um, yeah. Just, you, you say that name in Nashville and people jump um, because he is, he is that brilliant in this, in the music world. And came up to me right after we performed that day, first day I'd ever met him. Said, I got a question for you. Has anybody ever told you that you sound like Karen Carpenter? And I said, My God. And I said, Yeah, as a matter of fact, at that time, I said about 12 years ago, Steve Gorf asked me the exact same thing. And he and Michael O'Mardian had worked with Karen and Richard. And um, so, anyway, that's where the conversation began. And that's where this dream started unfolding for me. And it has just been the most unbelievable experience of my life. I mean, here I am, 44 about to release the biggest album of my career 
And it has just been, it's been phenomenal. It's been absolutely unbelievable. So tell me, if somebody was going to say you sounded like somebody, Karen Carpenter's not a bad person to sound like, is she? (laughs) Absolutely not. And I tell you, I fell more and more and more in love with her music the more I listen to it, because it's it's like a lot of people, and including myself, and I can be the first to admit this, I knew so many of the Carpenter songs, I just didn't realize it was the Carpenter singing them, oh. you know, and I know that maybe that's my generation, you know, of just not having, you know, being very, you know, growing up with that being, you know, because I can name artists right now that I grew up with, and so, you know, of course I knew that they, you know, sang the songs and all of that, but but so many people now that I talk to about this, they're like, oh, my God, I love that song. Well, Carpenter sing that. You know, and people don't even realize. But, oh, my God. I mean, just her voice. I mean, she's a, she has a three-octave range. So that was a little terrifying for me because our, our biggest goal with this whole project was definitely staying true to Karen and staying true to the original music. Now, we definitely put our own little spin on it. Um, as as we feel like we should have, but um, but we definitely stayed true to that. So it was a big challenge for me um, singing all you know the, the fifteen songs that are on this album. But pretty incredible. I'm a singer songwriter, and I always get oh yeah, sound like Bob Dylan. Well, I like Bob Dylan and everything. I'd rather sound like Art Garfunkel. And I tell people I want to sound and look like Whitney Houston in her prime. But, but that ain't gonna happen. Uh, uh. So funny. So when you speak, your vowels are different. Do you purposely uh, do the Karen Carpenter vowel thing, or because she had a certain way of just holding a note out? You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you mm-hmm. do it naturally. Well, big, I think. I don't know. I think so too. And the funny thing, the biggest um, joke right now in my life is 44 and having braces for the first time. So <laughs> everything sounds different right now. You have braces? I mean, I have braces. That's adorable. And what in God's name I was thinking, <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, what turned into this like little, you know, aesthetic look of, oh, I see a little bit of a spacing in my teeth. I, I didn't have to have braces when I was younger. So I really didn't think anything of it. And, um, but what turned that into some, you know, big, long, drawn out orthodontist convincing me, you know, you have an overbite, you need to correct it. I mean, it, it's just been a mess. So <laughs> anyway, long story short, the big joke is me actually even trying to speak these days, much less sing, you know, with a mouthful of metal. Um, so, but yeah, you know, I did study, I did study Karen's um you know, her, her phrasing. I did study a lot of, um, and I'm a music performance major in college too. Um, so I, you know, that was a lot of my background of really diving into music and really diving into artists and how they do things and why they do things. And I'm also a psychology, I have a double major in psychology too. So I really, I really dissected, you know, her, her music. Um, but she, um, yeah, there are certain things that she does. There are certain ways that she does hold notes and, and says things a certain way and all of that. And I really, you know, I feel like I hit on some of that pretty good in, in on the album, but um, it's kind of hard to, you know, to perfect something. I mean, as I tell everybody, their, their music and her voice and Richard's arrangements and everything about it. I mean, it's almost incomprehensible. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's about as close to perfection to me as you can get. So, um, and even trying to keep up with that was very challenging, but very rewarding at the same time, for sure. 
that was always my take too. They were trying to make the perfect Les Paul layering and all that. Wow, it was amazing at the time. And yeah, they had their own sound. What I'm wondering is, do you make notes when you're, uh, say, a lyric sheet or whatever you're using in front of you? Do you put anything down to... I write in like hieroglyphics on my stuff. If somebody looked at my lyrics, right. they'd say, what is this? Symbols and stuff. Exactly. Do you do things yes, like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I do. I mark up and I, I'm, I'm big on having lyric sheets, um, especially in the studio recording of just really watching myself and what I need to do. Absolutely. It looks like a lot of times, cause I use a, nine times out of 10 have a red marker. So by the time I've finished, it looks like someone bled all over my paper, but, <laughs> yeah. but I do, I do. I, I mark certain, just whether it's one letter, you know, of something I need to do a little bit different or hold a little longer or cut off when I, you know, at a certain point or um, pronunciate that vowel a little bit different or, you know, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Make tons of notes. This is so interesting. And you have a degree in music as well. I do. I do. I did that too. I have a degree in music and journalism as well. And I, and then I went into sales most of my life. So it's like, <laughs> it wasn't until just a couple of years ago. It's like, hey, it's culminating. I'm uh, doing a talk show kind of a thing or something. Right. Uh, you never know. Uh, life has a lot of strange twists, as you just explained it to me. It sure does. Yeah. It absolutely does. You're on a good road. I, gosh, I'm excited for you. This is a really cool thing to see. Well, I appreciate it. It's um, like I said, it's the people that have chosen to be a part of this album and endorse this album and sing with me on this album or play for me on this album um, has been overwhelming to me. And you know, you go from a Steve Lukather to, you know, and, and the really really cool thing about this, you know, having you know started out as a country artist. Um, you know, and then I've kind of jumped all over the place since, but having so many different genres and, uh, you know, artists and different genres on this album is pretty damn cool to me. And, you know, you've got, you know, you've got Steve Lukather and then you, then you kind of fancy think I've got two lead singers, former lead singers of Chicago, which I actually got to sing with one last night here in my hometown uh -huh. he was performing, uh, which was really cool. Jeff Coffey. Mm -hmm. And, um, so when he's on this, he's on close to you on the album. And so he and I got to sing that last night here in Mobile. Oh, 
And then you kind of jump over to, you know, having the who is considered the most successful British pop artist of all time, Sir Cliff Richard, um, with him doing uh, our duet of hurting each other off the chart. Cool. I mean, I got to meet Sir Cliff in Miami and record with him. And it was by far he is the he is the most humble, kindest person to be that successful. Oh, yeah. He Um, was a huge heartthrob back in the day, way before you would. He still is. Are you kidding me? I walked into that damn studio in Miami and I was like, okay. You're 80 years old. I'm <laughs> really? 40. Well, by that time, at that time, I was like 42. And I was like, you look younger than I do. There's a problem here. I mean, <laughs> no. he is still stunning. He is still that stunning. Oh, really? And, um, oh, he is. And his, he's just the sweetest temperament. I mean, just such a kind, kind soul. That's the secret. And um, I, exactly, exactly. <laughs> what is that secret? No one in the world ever had a lover sweet as my love 
For nowhere in the world could there be a boy as true as you. Yeah, and then, you know, and then I had the honor of uh, talking about, you know, people that I listened to when I was growing up and uh, those that made such an impact on me and my, you know, in my life, whether it was a song or whether it was just the artist or whatever it was, um, getting to uh, kind of reinvent the song Merry Christmas, Darling, and make it into a duet. And uh, I got to do that with, you know, who I considered the heartthrob back in the day when in the 90s when I was in high school and <laughs> middle school, yeah. which was Billy Dean. Yeah, yeah. And Billy and I got to, uh, we recorded that as a duet, Merry Christmas, Darling. And then we got to do a very romantic music video to it, which was super cool. And um, so, yeah, so, I mean, just how cool it is, just all these different genres, you know, and all these artists that are a part of this, that's just really, really made it such an unbelievable project for so many different people. And you can't wait till you get your braces off. I can't. I mean, do you think this looks like, <laughs> I feel I like I'm talking on? to a little I mean, girl? <laughs> what in the world is happening? And it, the funny thing about it is, so me and my son 
and my youngest daughter all have braces at the same time. Oh, and I'm thinking, my God, <laughs> what in the world? So, yeah, yeah, April cannot get here fast enough, supposedly. Oh. I told my orthodontist last week, I said, I swear to God, if these things don't come off in April, I'm going to pull them out myself. So <laughs> let's get fixed. Let's fix. Let's knock out what we need to correct here very quickly. And let's get these things off because oh, this is awful. The album comes out in like two weeks officially, doesn't it? January the 28th. 28th. That's it. Two and a half years in the making. Wow. Yep. Well, you've done it proud. I think Karen would be saying, wow, this she's pretty good. Well, I sure hope so. And that was the most important thing to me. Another huge thing to me was, um, you know, and I knew this was going to be a shot in the dark, but we, uh, you know, I I always love to challenge my, my team. Um, and they did it. Uh, Michael Omardian, uh, who we all call, call Omar, mm-hmm. um, he uh, had, like I said, had worked with Karen and Richard in the past. Yeah. And, and my biggest thing was I didn't want, you know, that no one's ever done this before. You know, there's a lot of tribute bands out there. There's some people that sing the Carpenters music, but no one has ever actually recorded um, an album like this as a tribute to the Carpenters at, at this caliber and anything. So my biggest thing was was remaining respectful to Karen, to Richard, to the whole project, to their music, um, which was legend is legendary. And um, you know what? I set a challenge out for my team. I said I'd love for Richard Carpenter to hear some of this music, and I would love to get his blessings, you know, his blessing on it. Because what the last thing I want is for me to put his sister's music out, who very obviously, very tragically died at such an early age. Um, and you just don't want to overstep your boundaries. You don't. And it's not that I had to have permission from Richard to record this album or the songs, but it's just a matter of respect. Very early on in um, 2019, um, we did reach out to Richard. He did want to hear some of the music, and those were the roughest of the rough, you know, first MP3s that we ever did. And um, so he did listen. He did finally, a couple of months later, write back and says, wow, she actually actually delivers these songs really, really great. And, you know, good luck with your project. And that was so huge to me i mean that was the biggest honor of my life and um but you know now the album's complete and so my next challenge came up oh hey guys i'm gonna try to reach out to richard one more time (laughs) and i want him to actually hear the finish you know what he was listening to was you know a very rough mix you know nothing mastered nothing you know and we've added so much more we've added live strings to things since then you know i got to do that at abbey road and um and do the London strings. And uh, so, you know, there's just a lot that we've added to that we really wanted. I really wanted him to hear. So Richard now has the full album that he's currently listening to now. Now we just hope he comes back with the same wonderful comments he did the first (laughs) go around. And, um, and then we'll be great. So yeah, it's pretty exciting. Richard Carpenter, please bless Carla Williams. If you're listening, because <laughs> she's really good. We can't bring Karen back, but this is good. I, I When I heard it, I was like, that takes like some cojones to do this and and, yeah, and to do it I, right I and do something you can be proud of. And you've exceeded that. So you're cool. Well, thank you. Thank you, <laughs> you so much blessing. for that. I that's good. Well, that's see, that's all that matters. That's why you called today. I just needed your blessings. I'm a and fan. I'm it fan. will be good today. Yeah. So if you can clone a million <laughs> of me. Awesome. Perfect. That sounds great. Thank you for your time, Carla. 
Thank you. This was fun. I greatly appreciate it. I don't know who in the world you called earlier, but I'm glad you finally got in touch with me. It looked like it was the right thing, but apparently not. So whatever. That's all right. That's all right. Well, great. Well, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. All right. Well, you stay healthy out there and what a crazy world we're in right now, but it'll come around. I tell you, it's something else. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll get there. We'll get back to whatever our normal is going to be these days. I just Hope that it's sooner than later. If you're ever up in the Seattle area, let me know. Absolutely. Would love that. Okay. Take care. Sounds cool. I've never even, I've never been there. So that would be really cool. I haven't been down your way either. So that's. uh, Oh, it's, oh, it's beautiful down here. Right on the Gulf Coast, water, beaches. It's, uh, it's phenomenal down here. Yeah. I've got some traveling to do while I'm still young. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you again. I'll let you Appreciate go. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. to the Better Each Day podcast radio show with Bruce Hilliard. We'll be back with a new horizon, but until then, honor the future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. And we're all just trying to make the next day a bit better. <laughs>